Okay. Well, let's pray. <laughs> Thank you, Heavenly Father, for this time that you've given us to study this portion of Scripture, Father. I just um, pray you would touch each woman in a special way over the ne- course of the next four weeks, Lord, that we would learn more about what you have um, desired for each one of us, Father, um, through your word. So we just commit this time to you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Um, well, when Rhonda asked me a few weeks ago if I would um, intro the Proverbs 31 woman, I thought, okay, I can intro her. Like, I'm not teaching on her. I'm just going to intro her. So today is our intro of who she is. And then we're going to have some follow-up of some more beautiful women that are going to get even more in-depth than we do today. So um, what I um, came up with for this week, this portion of scripture that we just went over describes a wealthy or aristocratic woman with a large household to direct. She's hardworking, enterprising, capable, and strong. She's wise, skilled, generous, thoughtful of the needs of others. She's dignified. She's God-fearing. She's a tremendous blessing to her husband. Um, Throughout my life, this woman, the Proverbs 31 woman, has taken on several roles. There have been times I hated her because I can never be as good as her. Can anybody relate? (laughs) Yes. And then when I have those days where I'm hating her because I feel like I can't be as good as her, then I tell myself it's because I don't have servants. Like, she had servants, and I don't. So that must be why I can't be her. Right, yeah, yeah. If I only had a servant, no. And then there have been times that I've loved her because she's a woman that I can look up to or strive to be. God has put her in his word for a purpose. Second Timothy 3.16 tells us that all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Just for giggles and to poke a little fun at her and the craziness of life in general, I thought I'd put her workday on a to-do list. Don't we all love a to-do list to keep us on track? So this list is just for fun, as some of the verses might be out of order, but as I just kind of sat down, I plugged her in, okay? So um, 4.30, let's see, she's rising while it's still dark. So that might mean Bible study time. Some of it's kind of how I try to order my day, so some of it might be a little bit of my life. Um, 5.30, she's providing food for her household. So maybe she's pulling chicken breast from the freezer. She gets it in the crock pot. She checks the refrigerator for lunch supplies, gets some oatmeal going, and packs her husband's lunch. At 6 o'clock, she's going to go consider a field and buy it. And then she's going to plant the vineyard from her profits. At 7, she's going to gird herself with strength and dignity. Or, I'm sorry, strength and strengthen her arms. So maybe that's when we're going to get on the treadmill or we're going to do, yeah, get our workout in, girls, some modern day. She perceives her merchandise is good and her lamp doesn't go out at 8. Um, maybe she restocks all the light bulbs and makes sure her fridge is in good working order so her fridge won't go bad. I mean, these are things we need to do. Where are we? 830? 8.30. 8.30, she's sewing up some clothing for her family, or maybe she's shopping on eBay for a sale on said clothing. I used to sew clothes for my kids when they were little. As they got bigger and bigger, it just got to be too much. So this um, winter, I went on eBay, and oh, we're all set. Okay, so 10 o'clock, what is she doing? Okay, she's extending her hand to the needy, so maybe that would look like helping Mary both with unloading the food ministry items and then going home to make a meal for a sick friend. Then at 11, she's not afraid of snow. Okay, so she's going to start up the snowblower, make sure all her kids have some expensive hand-me-downs for winter that fit. <laughs> so I was like, Kiana, what does it mean they're clothed with scarlet? And she's like, oh, scarlet was really fine, fine clothing. So I'm like, oh, then they're really fine, fine hand-me-downs. Um, 12 o'clock, she's going to sew up some 
do some sewing with fine fabric that she got on sale at Joanne's. <laughs> 1 o'clock, we're having lunch. 2 o'clock, she's going to make sure her hubby has his uniform clean and pressed so he looks good at work and in the community. Maybe that looks like laundry time for us. 3 o'clock, she's creating handy stuff for the people in her community, selling them for a profit. Maybe some bake sale preparation. All right, 4 o'clock, she's going to have a little pep talk with herself, speaking truth of who she is in Christ before her hubby walks in the door. 4.15, maybe she's going to make time for a friend that's having a bad day. She's going to give out some godly counsel and a shoulder. I don't know. Are we on that page now? Yes, we are. Okay, 5 o'clock, she's watching over the affairs of her household. She's putting together dinner, planning out her menu for the week, balancing the budget, setting the table. This woman is busy. Dinner time, 7 o'clock. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband, he also praises her. This didn't really click with me. My children don't rise up and call me blessed. Maybe they're going to rise up and do the dishes. And then my hubby thanks me for a healthy dinner. That's what I could come up with. Um, 8 o'clock. 8 o'clock, she's going to tuck in her babies. And she's going to make sure to leave some energy for her hubby so that he will not be tempted to be comforted by other women. Um, I did want to just speak a little bit on this. Uh, I'll just end it so Kiana can turn this off and go into the children's. At 9 o'clock, she's going to pass out, and she's ready to do it all again tomorrow. So, yeah, this woman is busy. But before we get go on from here, I did want to talk just for a second on that 8 o'clock. She makes sure to leave some energy for her hubby. Um, ladies, that's our job. Like, we are the only woman that is supposed to be comforting our husband. So we do need to make sure that um, we are leaving time so that he's not comforted by anybody else. We are that special person that God has designed for him to um, be comforted. So I'm just going to leave that right there, and I think I might come back to a little bit later. All right, Kiana, thank you. Aside from this perfect woman, I'm especially thankful for the women that God has placed in my life, not all of them older, just wiser. Sometimes that woman is my own daughter, which is such a blessing. The woman he's placed in his word because by the power of his spirit, he's used them to minister to me and teach me, sometimes rebuke me and to be an example. I'm just going to give you a little background on myself. Some of you have known me for many years as we've been blessed to attend here at this church and in this community for the past 17 years, but others of you might not know me very well or know much about me. Um, When I was just two years old, my parents divorced. My mother was a drug addict and an alcoholic. My father fought for custody of me, anyone back in the day when that was really rare. Um, And I believe that was in large part to the prayers of my paternal grandmother, Connie. My dad remarried, and that second marriage lasted the next 10 years of my life. And sadly, that marriage, too, was full of drugs, alcohol, and dysfunction. At the age of 12, I was brought to live with my paternal grandparents, and they finished raising me until I got too big for my teenage britches and moved out at 18. Yeah, The thing I'm most thankful for in all of this is that my grandma was a Christian. She was one of those sweet older women that handed out um, snacks at her church's summer VBS. So, ladies, you have a special part to play if you are a grandma or if you are those sweet little ladies at VBS because it matters. It makes a difference, and she made a difference. She made sure to um, scrape together the money to send me to summer camp with her church, and that is where I had my very first personal encounter with the living God. Um, When I first got married, I spent the first half of my marriage afraid that my husband was going to leave me because my parents had. I had the... Uh, the occasional 
uncontrollable crying sessions because I didn't know how to process the emotions of how good it was to be loved by him. Um, And now he's the love of my life. I share this about myself because it's a testimony to God's hand in my life. Even though it wasn't a bed of roses, God was in the midst. I'm so thankful I came to know him as a young teen thanks to the prayers and sacrifice of my grandparents. And this morning I woke up just realizing I'm a but God woman. You know, but God, I shudder to think what my life could have been. But I met him as a teenager, and so I just consider myself a but God woman. And I think our Proverbs 31 woman is a but God woman also. Um, So now even though I was saved, I didn't always walk the path that God wanted me to walk. I made many mistakes and still do along this road to righteousness that we will only complete upon entering heaven. Wish I had a drink. Ugh. So um, it's okay. Is that okay if I just take a drink? Thank you. <laughs> okay, so I'm now 47 years old. I'm going to celebrate my 25th wedding anniversary in October. Yay! Actually, we're kind of celebrating every day because we've learned that tomorrow's promise to no one. And so we're just having this amazing celebratory year. It's so beautiful. Um, I have four children who've been brought up in the Lord. My oldest daughter is going to be 21 this week. My oldest son will turn 18 next month. Oh. My second son will turn 13 at the end of May. And our youngest daughter, Connie, is six. God has been so good and so faithful. There's no reason for this goodness of marriage and motherhood, joy, and peace that I am blessed to experience, except that God is my good, good father, and he has been faithful to help us navigate this road that he has us on. When I found out I was pregnant with our oldest daughter, I was 26, and I was pretty panic-stricken. You see, other than my grandparents' love for a season, I had no idea what a healthy marriage looked like, what a healthy family looked like, how to be a good wife and mother. I felt like a ship in the middle of the sea. I loved my husband, and that time got us through most difficulties. But there were times I just longed to have wisdom. Wisdom from a woman who had navigated these roads, who knew how to do it right, to guide me. As I grew in my Christian faith, and I came across the verse in Titus 2, 3 through 5. I'll read it to you. It's so beautiful. The older women, likewise, should be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things that they admonished the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Yes! I thought, yes, where is that woman? Where is she? I want her to knock on my door and open up her bag of tricks and teach me all this stuff. Anyone else ever had that thought? Yes. Yeah, where is she? Oh, my goodness. Well, God was faithful to get me plugged into a ladies' Bible study, and that was the sweetest gift that one of my friends ever gave me. She must have seen the homebound, crazed look in my eyes when she visited me because she pretty much insisted that I should go, and she said they offered child care, and I would be so blessed. Well, she was right, and I was. I was put into a group of senior saints, and I'll admit at first I didn't feel like I fit in. There were so many days I went just to be faithful for time to meet with Jesus or because the children looked forward to meeting their friends and having their little activities that they were doing there. But guess what? He was faithful, and I was blessed. Ladies, that's our heart behind this study in women's ministry. Not that any of, our, any of us have it all together, 
but that we might help each other by the power of God's word become all that he wants us to be, that we might continue to grow in our sanctification process together like we just learned about in Romans, that we might share our gifts and talents to spur each other on to good works in our own households. However, God has also taught me that it's not the job of any one female saint to take me under her wings to grow me up in all things godly. No, God did the work for us by sending his son to the cross and also by preserving his word to teach us. If we just look back at that Titus 2 instruction, there was plenty to keep me busy. If I would just read his word and actually try to apply it, there was plenty to teach me busy. We're all without excuse, ladies. Um, We don't need a woman to be there to double check on our progress. He's with us. He wants to lead us, to guide us, and to have us check in with him. And I share this partially because summer's coming. What's going to happen? We won't have our weekly meetings. Who's going to hold us accountable? Well, he's still there, and he still wants to meet us and grow us. Okay, enough admonition. Back to our Proverbs 31 woman. Let's take a look at how God might use her in the next four weeks to teach us, rebuke us, and train us. I'm so excited because, you see, his word is alive. It's referred to as bread and can feed us spiritually if we'll just allow it to penetrate our hearts and to grow us. Um... We find this Proverbs 31 woman at the end of the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs was written by Solomon, the son of David, and Bathsheba. It's said that Solomon wrote over 3,000 Proverbs and 1,005 songs. 1 Kings 4.29 tells us that God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight and a breath of understanding as measureless as the sand of the seashore. Verse 31 tells us uh, in 1 Kings 4, that he was wiser than any other man. The purpose of the book of Proverbs is to develop a wise and skillful way of living. Turn with me now to Proverbs 1, 2 through 7, and we'll read that purpose together. Okay, I copied it out of my New King James Version, so I'll just read what I copied and you can follow. It says, To know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and iniquity, to give prudence to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase learning, and a man of understanding will attain wise counsel. To understand a proverb and an enigma, the words of the wise and their riddles, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Um, I love another translation that I found for those verses 5 and 6, and it says, says it like this. There's something here also for seasoned men and women, still a thing or two for the experience to learn, fresh wisdom to probe and penetrate the rhymes and reasons of wise men and women. Ladies, it's my prayer that whether we're new in our walk with the Lord or we consider ourselves to be closer to seasoned saints or getting up there, there's going to be nuggets of wisdom in these four weeks of our study time together. And I'm just so excited to see what God has for us. All right, so who wrote the book of Proverbs? We know who wrote the book of Proverbs, but Proverbs 31 seems to be a little bit different. It starts out in verse 1 as saying, The sayings of King Lemuel, an oracle his mother taught him. Who is this King Lemuel? Many Bible commentaries point to King Lemuel as being the very same person, Solomon. 
It's believed to be a pet name that his mother, Bathsheba, may have named him as a boy. According to my studies, Solomon's real name given to him by God through the prophet Nathan was Jedidiah, meaning beloved of the Lord. And the name Lemuel means devoted to God. Other commentaries say that perhaps King Lemuel was another king of a neighboring country whose mother taught him these lessons. Either way, it's a sweet, sweet tribute to her son by a loving mother. This section of scripture consists of 22 verses, each beginning with the letter of the Hebrew alphabet in order. It's known as an acrostic, and I brought a little example so we could see what that looks like, because, of course, we don't read in Hebrew anymore. So I have an old New England primer here, and it's got some cute little A's for, let's see, starts with A. A wife, a wife shall, mm. the writing is so old, old English that I can't read it right now. A wife's son maketh the father glad. A wise son, the F's look, the S's look like F's. A wise son maketh a glad father, but a foolish son is the heaviness of his mother. That's letter A. Letter B, better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and troubles therewith. Letter C, come unto Christ, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and he will give you rest. So this is what an acrostic is, ladies, and this is what this um, section of scripture was originally penned as. It was an acrostic from a mother to her son. It said that this mother would daily read or sing this to him, and I think that's brilliant. You see, my older son's about to turn 18, which technically gives him the freedom to make some big decisions. And I'm thinking, wow, maybe if I had done a little song like this since his childhood, then maybe he would um, know in detail what sort of woman he ought to choose. Maybe when he was considering this one or that one, he would remember that little song that his mama taught him and be ringing in his head. Um, Yeah, I don't know. But I do know that regardless of my shortcomings as a mother, that God is faithful to complete the good work that he's begun in my son. And I'm going to be that praying mama in the background that's on my knees helping him, (laughs) praying for him to make good decisions. Okay, so now we know a little bit more about this woman. She was written about in a poem as an ideal bride for a son. She's an ideal woman, ladies. She's not real. Maybe even just a picture of an ideal woman. We saw that our days are not long enough to do all that was described when we put up the little chart and not cry over spilled milk. I mean, really, who can do all these things in one day? In verse 10, we read, Who can find a virtuous wife for her worth is far above rubies? We can read in 1 Kings 11.3 that Solomon had 700 wives and 300 concubines. Okay, Do you think even one of them exhibited some of these attributes? I don't know. Did he look for these as his mother had taught him? I don't know. And then as I kind of tried to wrap my mind around that, I just had a a crazy giggle thinking about what life must have been like in those days. I can't fathom the quarreling there must have been over the women, you know, trying to fight for the attention of this one husband. And I'm so glad we don't have to live in those days anymore. Right, right. Right. Yeah, I can't imagine. So who can glean wisdom from this ideal Proverbs 31 woman? Well, it makes sense that the verses speak of her role as a wife and mother. So wives and mothers, this study's definitely for us. But notice in verse 12, it says, She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. 
Could that mean that even before she's met her husband or after her husband has passed away, that she is to have a good reputation and exhibit these qualities? That's something to consider. What if you've never been married or don't think you're going to be married? Throughout the Bible, we as believers are called the bride of Christ. God put these verses in his word for a purpose, and I believe we should all prayerfully ponder them and seek God's will in becoming the woman that God wants each one of us to be. One of my sweetest friends has never been married, but she has the biggest heart of love for her groom. You see, God has, and for people, and God has put a, uh, God has put in this woman's heart and in all women's hearts, a heart to nurture, whether that's to nurture our own children or to nurture other people that God puts in our paths. He can use it all for his glory. And isn't that what we really want is to be used for his glory? So I believe that each of us as women can learn from this example of of a godly woman that we're going to study in this Proverbs 31. I love the contrast that we see in this woman that ends Proverbs. Compared to most of the other women Solomon describes in the rest of Proverbs. In 11.22, we hear of the woman who lacks discretion being compared to a ring of gold in a pig snout. In 12.4, we read of a woman who causes shame being compared to rottenness in her husband's bones. In 21.19, it tells us that it's better to dwell in the desert than with a contentious and angry woman. Or 27.15, a continual drip on a very rainy day and a contentious woman are alike. So we can see that the Proverbs is filled with less than glowing descriptions of women. I love that Solomon chose to balance the scale, so to speak, by ending this book with a positive glimpse of what a woman can be like. So what is it that makes the difference in these contentious women and our Proverbs 31 woman? I believe that we can find the answer to that question in verse 30. Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Ladies, our first and foremost job in attempting to be any kind of woman after God's own heart is to fear the Lord. You see, she's a but-God woman too. This takes us full circle to the way we began Proverbs Proverbs in one seven. It says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. What does it mean to fear the Lord? I was reading um, in a Matthew Henry commentary. It says, fear the Lord means to be reverenced, served, and worshipped. We are not qualified to profit by the instructions that are given unless our minds are possessed by a holy reverence to God and every thought within us be brought into him, into obedience to him. So ladies, I'm going to, I'm going to end this instruction right here as we have three more precious sisters in the Lord that are coming up in the next consecutive Tuesdays. But I want to encourage you to seek your heart, ask the Lord to search it with you. Do you have that proper fear of the Lord that it's going to take for the Lord to do the work that might need to be done in us? Do we have the fear of the Lord in that healthy place that we're open to receive what he wants to teach us in this study and even beyond this study? So let's pray and get into some group discussion. Heavenly Father, thank you for this chance to just take a glimpse at who she was, Lord, and to realize she's an ideal person, not somebody who did all of these things every single day, Lord. I know there's probably many in this room that struggle with the same thought I had. Lord, I can never be all those things, Lord, but I don't think you're calling us to be all those things, Lord. I think you're calling us to fear you and to do the things that you call us to do each and every day, Father God. So I pray you bless our time 
as we sit together as sisters and just share um, some of the questions that you've given us for this week, Lord. And I pray for each of my sisters that are going to be talking in the next few weeks, Lord. I pray you give them the time to sit at your feet and hear from you, Father God, and I'm just excited at what is to come. Thank you for this opportunity to study your word together. In Jesus' name, amen.